Well, good morning. It's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you guys this morning. Um, greetings from our, our Lakeland Church. Um, this, is, this is exciting. This is something new. I know, uh, like, like Ryan was saying, this is something new that we haven't done in the past and that we uh, felt like was important, that if we're going to move forward as three churches but under one umbrella and, and kind of stay connected as one neighborhood church in three locations, then we ought to probably schedule some time for, you know, the churches to see all of our pastors. <laughs> and so, um, while I'm not your pastor in that, like, I don't, um, I don't make decisions for you guys, um, I'm not like in charge of you or however you want to think of that. Um, we pray for you guys and, uh, you know, we meet together, we work together um, to lead all the neighborhood churches and it's, it's just such a privilege to get up and to meet some of you and, and wonder why you've heard of Rittman and, you know, things like this. And there's a little tiny town in Ohio that I was a youth pastor in for a few years and I never think anyone's heard of it. And every time I tell somebody about it, I was talking to Paul earlier, and he's like, oh yeah, I know where Rittman is. Like, why do you know where Rittman is? <laughs> it's one of these places. Why would you know about this place? Uh, but anyway, it's, it's, it's such a privilege to connect, uh, because on the one hand, it's a small world, but on the other hand, it's a big family. And it's, it's so cool to be part of the family of God. Um, <clears throat> as, we, as we open our time together, I know something that, that you always do here in Ocala, um, we all kind of have our... Um, our own unique liturgy as we, you know, it's just kind of the rhythm and cadence of our service. And I don't want to disrupt that. I know one of the things that you guys always typically do is you open up the teaching time with uh, the disciples' prayer that a lot of people call the Lord's Prayer, but the Lord was teaching the disciples to pray it. So it's more like the disciples' prayer. Um, so if, if you want to, I don't know if you stand together, or just, just uh, recite that with me um, this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I slipped in the old King James there for a minute. Um, will you... Will you Let's pray together as we, as we look to God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the, just the ability to mingle among our extended family. Thank you for the family um, that you have adopted us into, that we can, we can step into a room where we don't know each other and connect because the most important thing in our lives um, we can kind of agree on, and, that, and that's that you are great and we are sinful and that we need to spend time around you and your people and your word if we're going to bridge that gap. And by bridge that gap, I mean the bridge that, uh, that Jesus Christ made when he died on the cross. We could never get to you, but you came to us. And God, we're so thankful for that. And God, I just pray that as we look to your word this morning, you would speak through me, that you would give me wisdom that I don't have, and that you would give each of, each of us here ears to hear your word. And then as we go our separate ways and about our weeks, that you would give us the follow-through to do what we have heard. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Well, one of the other cool things about being connected across three churches is that um, 
we, one of the things that we worked together on and we got to spend some time uh, with Pastor Michael and, and Ryan and, and Pastor Ben and Pastor Matt all together um, is, is developing our sermon calendar. So we, we're pre- we've been preaching and, and teaching the same thing in Lakeland and in Sebring that you guys have been learning up here. And so it's been really cool. In fact, uh, in fact uh, a couple weeks ago or this, this past week, we all listened to each other's sermons and gave some feedback on that. It's just always so interesting to listen to the same sermon preached in three different places. And it's three totally different sermons just on the same passage. And, and uh, so anyway, so it's exciting to um, kind of teach a continuation of what I've been teaching, but it's also a continuation of what you guys have been learning. And so if you want to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, we're going to pick up in this series called Building One Another. Now, I know that my teaching style is going to be quite a bit different than Pastor Michael's, and, and that's okay. Maybe that's a breath of fresh air, and maybe, for, maybe instead next week will be a breath of fresh air when you get him back. <laughs> but um, but let, let's, uh, let's go ahead and read the passage. I, I actually kind of want to read the whole section that we're studying through this um, through this series, and then we'll kind of zero in on the couple of verses we're going to look at this morning. <coughs> we started, we picked it up in verse 11 a couple weeks ago. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. May God bless the reading of his word. He always does. We're going to zero in this morning on these really short verses, verses 16, 17, and 18, where he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So that's our passage this morning. This has been an interesting series um, to preach through. You know, a lot of times we're going to preach through like a whole chapter per sermon. (laughs) So you got a lot to work with, a lot of material. And as we we got looking, we realized, man, this is one of these these little sections in Scripture that so often just gets kind of breezed over at the end of a series in 1 Thessalonians, and what, what an opportunity to just kind of take and slowly digest. I mean, the Apostle Paul is like rapid fire in, the, in this little paragraph here, all these instructions for the church in his closing paragraph. What a great opportunity to, 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 to slow down and, and look at these, and, and wow, there's a lot packed in three short verses. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. The last part is really the phrase that is, that is worth really zeroing in on because I want to I just put out there that any time, any time that the, that the Bible says, for this is the will of God for you, I want to submit that that's God's will for your life. You know, sometimes we can feel like the will of God is this mysterious thing that is 
you know, I'm just trying to figure out God's will for my life. If you ever went to Bible college, which maybe none of you did, but uh, my wife and I did, that's the only way a guy from the cornfields in Ohio could meet the prettiest girl in the Northeast. Um, she grew up in northern Vermont. I grew up in the middle of Ohio. And when I say that, people are like, how did you guys meet? <laughs> uh, we, we met at Bible college. And, and that's, that's the thing you hear a lot. It's uh, something you, know, you hear in churches. You hear with people just trying to, and, and this is not a bad thing. I don't, I don't mean to make light or make fun of people, you know, because it's a good thing to seek out God's will for your life. We want to constantly bringing, be bringing our lives into alignment with God's will. And sometimes, you know, is, is it God's will for me to go um, to marry this person or that person? Well, that's kind of a big decision. And it's not going to tell you that specifically in Scripture. And so, obviously, sometimes it can be a thing that we find difficulty in discerning the will of God. But there are other parts of God's will that are very easy to discern. For instance, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Um, and so, I don't know what God's will is for every detail of your life, but I know for sure he wants this for every one of us, every believer, that we ought to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. <coughs> well, <clears throat> if, as we th- it seems so simple, but, but as we think about, think about what we just read this morning from, from Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is, is teaching the people. He goes up on the mountainside and sits down and starts teaching. Well, that's something different in, in their culture than ours. In Eastern culture, when the teacher was ready to teach, he, uh, he grabbed a seat and he sat down. And everybody else sat down and said, okay, he's going to teach us now. Well, in Western culture, we know when it's, uh, when it's teaching time, the teacher's going to stand up and stand up in front of everybody. Okay? And so when, when Jesus goes and he sits down and, and, he, and begins to teach everyone, and, and I, now I realize I walk all over the stage when I teach, and, uh, and, and, and Barry's got to be hating me back there on the cameras because, you know, I'm all over the place, but sorry about that. Um, so if you're on the live stream, I'm still here. I just have to keep walk, walking off the... I'm walking off the stage refilling my coffee. But as, as Jesus taught in what we just read is, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, but then... A handful of books later, the Apostle Paul is telling us to rejoice always. So Jesus is telling us it's okay to be sad, and Paul's telling us not to ever be sad, right? That's what it seems like it's saying. If, if, you, if you know your Bible really well, because this might be a little more obscure for some of you, but you may have heard this passage, particularly at funerals. In the book of Ecclesiastes, um, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, who's probably um, the, the King Solomon, says that there is, a, there is a time and a season appointed for everything. And that one of those things is a time for sorrow and mourning. I want to suggest that when he says rejoice always, that doesn't mean that you're never sad. We just, we just heard this morning that, uh, um, that Jesse Lockstamper, uh, you guys know her, right? <laughs> Jesse Lockstamper's grandfather uh, went home to be with the Lord, I guess, last night. And that wasn't really my news to tell, but I guess uh, I thought I would pass that on so you can be praying for, the, for her family. I, I know that wasn't necessarily super unexpected. Um, I know it's been a long, a long journey, but there's going to be a time of mourning and a time of sadness for their family that's appropriate. 
You've probably heard this teaching before, but joy and happiness are not the same thing. Not necessarily. They can seem very similar a lot of times, but, but they're not quite the same thing. And so when the, when the Apostle Paul talks about rejoice always, he's clearly talking about a deeper joy than the happiness or celebration around our circumstances. Because he's saying always. Well, we can't just always be happy because there's times it's appropriate to be sad. But you see, like for Jesse's family, there's a, there's a little bit different there's a little bit different kind of sorrow. Just like uh, the last time I was up here for a service was um, Michael's dad's funeral. And that was sad. And that was right out of left field. I mean, nobody knew that that was, that that was going to happen except God. I mean, it just, boom, like that. And it was over. And w- what happened? And there was great sadness. But you see, the Apostle Paul talks in, in an, another, <coughs> another letter he wrote that that believers don't grieve like the world grieves. Even when we are sad, we don't have to be sad in the same way. When we lose someone, we say, we don't say, okay, we say all kinds of things to, you know, other than they died. Like, we, you know, we've got all kinds of euphemisms that we say instead of that. But we, like, we don't just say, he's gone forever. We say, he went home to be with the Lord. We, we, we have this understanding that when a, believer, when a believer goes home to be with the Lord, when a believer dies in this life, that we will see them again on the other side of eternity or on the, on the victory side, as Jack Wurtzen always used to say. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see them again. And so while we're sad that we're separated for a time, we are comforted by the hope and the joy of knowing we're sad because we miss them, They're not sad. They're home with their heavenly father, with their savior. And we're going to be able to celebrate in that way with them someday as well. Rejoice always. You see, there is this rejoicing always is, we know this is written to believers. First of all, um, he addressed it to the church at Thessaloniki. But also, that's only possible for believers. That joy that you can always have, even in times of sorrow, You can only have that joy if you have that hope. The hope that comes from knowing that we have our sins forgiven. That even though God is holy and we are not, even though we we stand before God, apart from Christ, we stand before God as convicted, guilty criminals. Fully deserving of his eternal punishment. It doesn't matter that there were other people worse than, worse than me. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm like, look, I've made a few mistakes, but I'm nowhere near as bad as that guy or this person or my next door neighbor. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. My next door neighbor's a pastor. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not even going there. Uh, we, we, we razz each other a lot because um, he's Presbyterian, so we have lots of fun. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how we stack up and compare against other sinners. We've all broken God's law. But the good news is Jesus died for all of us. Not just the ones that weren't that bad. 
not just the ones that, you know, only had a little bit. God didn't get some, you know, those of you that feel like, hey, listen, I, like I've made some mistakes, but like I'm not, like I never really hurt anybody. God didn't get some really good deal when he saved you. It cost him the same amount. It cost the lifeblood of Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, dying a criminal's death for something he never did, carrying on his shoulders the sin of the world. That cost God the same amount, no matter how good or bad you think you are. And by you, I mean we, because <laughs> I include myself in that. It's only because we have that hope. We have that hope because the Bible has told us according to scripture. If we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Now, if you're square, if you've got that taken care of in your life and you're square before almighty God with a clean slate because your sins have been forgiven because of the blood of Christ, well, there's not really anything in my life that can happen that's bad enough to take away that joy. <clears throat> you know, there's a, there's a lot that can go wrong in our lives, and it's not the purpose of this sermon to explore all the <laughs> eventualities. Just go watch some movies. Um, but, but boy, there's hope in knowing that this life is not all there is. And the joy that comes with that is only ours in Christ. Rejoice always. Only possible if we've got the gospel applied to our lives first. All right, we got through two words so far. Let's see how much further we can get in this sermon. Pray without ceasing. This is, this is a challenge. This is a, this is a challenge because there's two reasons we don't pray. that I can think of right off the top of my head. I'm sure there's more. Um, but, but I can boil a lot of them down to, into two, two main reasons. One, we don't have faith. <clears throat> we don't really believe that God is listening or that he cares or that he's going to do anything about it. That's, that's one of the reasons we don't pray sometimes, isn't it? And that is, that is the struggle of our lives because we have such a hard time believing in something other than what we can see right now. And sometimes the thing in front of us is so difficult. The mountain is so high. The problem is so big. We can't see any way around it. But God knows. But when we lack faith, we look at that and it's like, it's like Peter trying to walk on the waters and he, take, and he takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks at the waves and he says, I, I can't. I can't do it. It's too much. I can't do this. And he begins to sink. That's how it feels, isn't it? We know the problem's too big for us. And we know we serve a great God, but we don't think he's going to do anything about it. We don't think he cares. We don't think we're good enough for God to intervene in our lives. And that's when we struggle. Pray without ceasing is really a call to faith. It's a call to faith. Rejoice always. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a call to hope. Pray without ceasing is a call to faith. Believe that God, A, loves you, 
How much does God love you? You know, you've heard the cliche. He loves you this much, you know, get it? Um, He can't love you more. There's nothing you can do to make God like you better. How much more can he like you than than to sacrifice his son for you? God loves you. Cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's in scripture. Jesus said that. (laughs) He invites us to cast our cares on him. Because he knows our burdens are too heavy for us to bear on our own. Pray without ceasing is a call to faith. Without ceasing, boy, that's a that's a challenge. You don't, you don't have to turn there, but I want to, a couple, a couple pages back in your Bibles, uh, Colossians chapter 1. I love what he says here, uh, starting in verse 3. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And then uh, skipping down, he says, and so since the day, in verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Now, does this mean that uh, the Apostle Paul is telling us that we need to um, basically uh, get down on our knees and start praying and never quit? No bathroom breaks, no snacks, no coffee breaks, pray without ceasing. Don't open your eyes either, it doesn't count. No, that's not what he's saying. If you're going to pray while you're driving, please keep your eyes open. Max, that was lesson number one for driving. Okay, I know that's, I know that's right in front of you. You got to keep your eyes open. Um, <laughs> that's good because I got to drive on the same road, so you know I, 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 we can't be too careful. Pray without ceasing. You, you know, you, you can. There are times that our prayer looks like time spent on our knees. Maybe after the kids have gone to bed. And you're facing one of those problems that's way bigger than you. And you wonder if God cares enough. And you're crying out to him. And you're on your knees with your, eye, with your head bowed and your, you know, your eyes closed. You know, maybe whatever. Maybe your eyes lifted up to heaven and your hands out. God, like, this, is, this is more. Sometimes our prayer looks like that. And sometimes our prayer looks like this while we're driving to work. And God brings someone to our mind yeah, I, I always, you know, whenever, you ever, you ever just like be driving and think of someone that like, man, I haven't thought about that person in forever. I have tried to develop the discipline of when that happens, pray for that person because it's a reason the Holy Spirit brought that person to your mind. And then after you're not driving, text them, send them a message that says, hey, I'm praying for you today. I have never been ceased, I have, it never ceases to amaze me how that when people have done that for me, it lifts my spirits. Every single Sunday morning, I and all the other guys on staff, and I'm pretty sure all the intern, like everybody even remotely connected to our church leadership gets a text from guess who? Pastor Michael Lockstamper. I'm praying for you. Every, I, I kid you not, every single Sunday morning. Sometimes it's a contest to see if we can text him before he texts that, but it's usually pretty early. I just want to brag on him since he's not here. Um, I want to brag on Pastor Michael a little bit. I want you guys to know that you have here the pastor among our little neighborhood church network 
that makes all the rest of us better. There's a lot more I could say. <laughs> Maybe more I will say. But I personally am so thankful for his, his wisdom and his guidance and his maturity and his challenging in so many areas. Also, he's the one that went to seminary, so we have to listen to him. Um, but but Pastor, Pastor Michael is a great encouragement to all of us. And one of the reasons is he does this. Now, I don't live inside his head. I don't always know all the stuff that he feels like he's failing in or what. But I know, I know Pastor Michael prays for me at least once a week. And that is a great encouragement to me. When I'm getting ready to step up into the pulpit and I don't know if what I'm going to say is going to have any impact or even make any sense or, you know, hopefully it's biblical, but, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe I should just read the passage and sit down. <laughs> but he's such an encouragement to me. I'm praying for you. Because we've been called to something. Give. <laughs> Rejoice always. <clears throat> Pray without ceasing. Give thanks. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, I, I want to I suggest that where it says in all circumstances is not just referring to give thanks. It's referring to pray without ceasing. It's referring to rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances, let's apply that phrase to all three. Because that's where it gets really hard. That's where the challenge is. Do any of you have a friend that literally cannot have a conversation without complaining? I do. And you know what? I think all of my friends do too because it might, I think it might be me sometimes. The Apostle Paul is saying that that should not mark us as believers. I, I don't know you and, and, and you, you, don't know, you don't know me very well either, but you know, it's my prayer that none of us are marked among the people that know us as the person that complains all the time. Nobody likes a complainer, okay? But it's not just that. It's bigger than that. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. And then builds on that and says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You know, none of these three things, I mean, I'm going to expand the, the give thanks thing a little bit, but you recognize none of these things, it seems like he's telling you how to feel about things. Rejoice always, give thanks, you know, pray without ceasing. It, it seems like he's telling, he's telling us, we, you know, if you're going to be a good Christian, you have to feel this way about everything all the time. Isn't it kind of, it kind of reads like that, doesn't it? A little bit, but, but when we look closer, you realize the things that he's telling us to do are choices and actions that we can make and do. He's challenging us, especially with the in all circumstances phrase, he's challenging us to rise above the thing that seems too big for us, because it is. Rise above the thing that, that's, that makes it seem like you can't rejoice because this is, a, this is a time for mourning. Rise above the thing that 
How could you not complain about? You know, sometimes, you know, hey, sometimes we just need to vent. Right? These are the phrases we, we use to make excuses for our complaining. Sometimes I just need to vent. Well, I just need to blow off some steam. You know, or any number of other phrases. But the, these, these are the kind of attitudes that we have about reasons why it's okay to not give thanks in all circumstances. I probably sound a little bit like I'm up here, you know, throwing punches, you know, beating everybody up about like how you all need to be better Christians. Um, I, <laughs> I want you to know that I can't tell you how many conversations I walk away from and start thinking about, you know, you start thinking about what you said and what they said and what you could have said and all that and realize I just spent half that conversation complaining just to make small talk because I didn't know what else to talk about. I opened that conversation with a complaint about the weather or traffic or whatever. It's like, this is like this default, like some of us don't even realize it's this default state that we fall into. You know, like in Sebring, you complain about driving up and down 27, um, mostly because it's a big deal. You take your life in your hands every time you do it, um, especially this time of year. Um, in, in Lakeland, we complain about I don't know. What do we complain about in Lakeland? Pretty much the same thing as traffic up and down Florida Avenue. It's the same thing. Here in Ocala, I don't know what you complain about. Um, probably Daytona 500 and, you know, the fact that, uh, like, why are all these people here? We're, my, my oldest daughter likes to do the license plate thing. She's, like, keeping track of how many, you know, what states she sees license plates from. And, boy, did she get a whole bunch on the way up here today. <laughs> traffic. Really? Complaining about traffic, that's, like, that's, that's, that's going to be our opener to interact with everybody. And, and, again, I'm not trying to stand up here and beat people up because like, I do this. My wife's great-grandmother uh, passed away at 102, 3. At that point, I don't think it matters, over 100. <laughs> she was very old. And I guess one of the things that she would say well, she had kind of these rules that she lived by. And one of those rules was never complain about anything. Not even the weather. Okay, well, there I guess we're... I, it, let's be honest. What do we... <laughs> complain about the weather? We live in Florida. We live in literally the best place for weather, like, in the whole country. And yet, we get a cloudy, rainy day, and what do we do? <laughs> You know, I've really only given examples that are, that are silly and trivial and things that deep down we might complain about we really don't care about. But, you know, we complain about bigger things than that, don't we? You know, I'm stuck in this job where I don't, I don't, I don't make enough. You know, my, my kids aren't making good choices right now. Don't, don't get me wrong, that can be a legit prayer request. Um... You know, got car problems. I've got health problems. I don't know why God has chosen to, you know, strike me. I don't actually have health problems. But, you know, these are the kind of things like we, that we complain about that are not illegitimate things. They're challenges in our lives. They're things that, that God, has, God is allowing 
to be part of our story. And the Apostle Paul is challenging us here. <coughs> Excuse me. He's challenging us to have a different attitude about the challenges in your life. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the will of God for our lives. The Apostle Paul is giving us a master class in how to think. He says in, an, in another letter that he wrote, he says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. Whoa. Okay, okay, Paul, so I guess you've arrived. No, he didn't think that either. He talked about his struggle, knowing what he ought to do, but constantly finding himself doing the thing he knows he shouldn't do. He talked about, talked about sinners and then described himself by saying, among whom I am chief. I think he felt like he, ne he never could really step out from underneath the shadow of the approval he gave of Stephen's martyr. The, the, the house to house arresting that he did, thinking he was doing God a favor, hunting down the early church members, dragging them out of their homes, throwing them into prison, sometimes to their deaths. The Apostle Paul had every reason to doubt his, his own usefulness to God. We look, at, we look at the Apostle Paul and we think of this guy that was world traveler, all-star Christian, church planter, you know, all this, like he had it going, right? After all, he has learned the secret of being content in every circumstance, right? No. I mean, he did say he's learned that secret, but, <clears throat> but boy, he had some challenges. He had reasons to doubt. He had reasons not to have faith. He had reasons to complain. Talks about all the times he got like beaten within an inch of his life. The times he got run out of town. The times he got shipwrecked and almost drowned or eaten by sharks. Or, you know, I guess sharks in the Mediterranean, okay? Like he floated around on a piece of driftwood for, you know, a while. Or the time, you know, they shipwrecked, landed on an island. They're gathering brush for a fire and like a venomous snake comes out and latches onto his arm. And everybody's like, well, he's dead. God miraculously allowed him not to die from like it. He'd been through it. One of the reasons that he wrote this letter to the Thessalonians was because he only got to spend like three weeks with them. You know, he's traveling all around. He uh, goes to Thessaloniki on, on his way through uh, Greece, preached in the synagogue, uh, only gets uh, three sermons in. So three weeks, he said, you know, three, for three Sabbaths, he was in the synagogue teaching, and it only took three sermons for them to decide, uh, we want this guy dead. And uh, they run him out of town, and they basically have to sneak him out. And uh, it, or I, think, I think this was, yeah, this was, anyway, it, it was a whole thing. I mean, it's just one right after another. And in Philippi, you know, he's like thrown in jail, and, and that's a whole thing. And he writes this letter, I mean, if you, if you read the beginning of it, he writes this letter saying, hey, I just want you to know... Um, don't, I don't want you to feel like what happened to us is a sign that God is not in it. 
Uh, we told you this would happen, and this is why we told you this would probably happen, because this message of Jesus is offensive to those who oppose it. This message of Jesus is offensive to the religious elite, to the, the Jewish leaders, to the Roman empire, whatever. I mean, you know, take your pick. The message of salvation through the blood of Christ, while it is a sweet message to those of us who will hear it and believe it, was a hard pill to swallow for those who opposed it. And yet, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Here's a letter from the guy who just got ran out of town. Remember me? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. As we, as we close, you know, kind of wrap up the, the teaching time, I, I, wanna, I want us to look at, this is something that I've been doing in my sermons, and I, I, as I listened to Pastor Michael, found out that he's been doing it too. Um, kind of take the, take the scripture and apply it to kind of three arenas in our lives. One of them is church, and how this applies in our, in our lives as the, the body of Christ when we gather corporately, as we live in spiritual community with one another because we journey together. Um, I like that Pastor Michael did the same thing I did, where he, except he did them better, but, but put the values posters up in the sanctuary so that when, he's up, when you're up here preaching, you don't like, oh yeah, what was the other one? You can just look over there and there it is. Um, that's really why we do that. Um, I shouldn't have outed him like that, but that's right. Um, but as we, as we journey together, as we, as we live as the church, as we, as we go about our lives and function as a church, how do we rejoice always? How do we pray without ceasing? You know, a lot of churches used to have like, you know, prayer meeting Wednesday night. Like, we can't pray without ceasing. Prayer meetings from six to seven on Wednesdays. <laughs> Give thanks in everything, in all circumstances. How do, we pl- how do we apply that as a church? How do we apply that in our lives at home, in our home lives with our family? Maybe you have kids at home, maybe you don't. Maybe you have kids that check in every week or two. <laughs> maybe you never had any. Or in our workplaces. I'm not, I'm not gonna drag this out, but there's so many conversations in our workplaces where we rub shoulders with very likely um, unsaved people, our coworkers. What's our testimony? These, these are all actions. Rejoice always. Pray. Give thanks. Are these the things, like if, if one of your unsaved coworkers had to describe you, are these the things they would say? Are you, are you the guy that complains all the time? Man, I just keep coming back to that because I'm, I'm just afraid I'm that guy sometimes. My wife gave me a look. I think I'm that guy. <laughs> Here I am complaining about being that guy. Man, I just can't get away from it. I want us to, I want us to think, so I'm going I'm to do a, I, I understand that Pastor Michael typically gives you a, a, a minute or two to kind of reflect on God's word. 
and what God has been, has been teaching us through this series and, and through this passage. I want us to, to spend a minute praying to that end. God, how would you have me to apply that in my church, in my family, in my workplace? Am I an encouragement to my fellow believers at church? Do my kids see me complaining about something all the time? Do my coworkers have any idea that I have a reason to be joyful in all of my circumstances? I pray that the Holy Spirit will challenge our hearts this morning. I'm going to give us a minute. Megan, you can play if you want to. Um, I wasn't going to tell you to because I don't know if you're ready to prepare for that. But uh, I guess Megan's going to play softly a little bit. and Just take a minute, and then I'll kind of close this in prayer, and then we're going to worship the Lord together in song. Father God, we just uh, we are so challenged by your word. God, you call us up. You call us up to, to raise the bar in our lives. We live in a world that says it's okay. It's okay to walk around with a sour attitude. After all, nothing helps a bad mood like spreading it around. God, your word calls us to more than that. To better than that. It has to, because the gospel is so great. The message of forgiveness, the forgiveness of our sins by a holy God is too great for us to walk around and go about our lives complaining, joyless, not trusting you in prayer. God, I pray that as we go about our week, that our lives will be a a, a shining testimony to the gospel, to your work in our lives, that people would say, what is different about you? And we can say, Jesus Christ changed my life when he saved me. God, continue to work in us. Shape us, mold us transform us by the renewing of our minds and continue to conform us to the image of your son. God, we have so, much, so many reasons to be joyful. Think of those we have lost that we have the hope of seeing again. Think of the privilege that it is to cast our burdens upon you and to boldly approach the throne of grace in prayer because you love us and you call us to. Because as our heavenly father, you want to hear from your children. 
God, we have so much to be thankful for. If all you ever did was save us, it's still so much more than we deserve, and yet you see fit to bless us in this life in so many ways. You don't have to. We don't deserve it. But God, you are so great. Challenge us this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.